Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Cooney. Now, crank it up. Hollywood, it's time for another best of year closeout. So 2023 came to an end last week. And just like we do every year, we got to talk about all the records that came out, all the things we saw and uh, our feelings on 2023 in general. What's going on with you? Everything good with you? Yeah, got through the holidays. 2023 music wise is a little bit different than some of the past years we've talked about, because if you remember, I think there was a year like. Jeff Scott Soto, Kotzen, and Striper came up with something. I think Hailstorm came up with something that year. Like some of the bands that I absolutely love, love, they didn't release stuff this year, right? Some of the artists I love released some stuff. So it, it's a, lo- a little more eclectic of a list for me. Yeah, I would agree with that 100% because there wasn't anything necessarily cut and dry for me this year. Like I really, there was a lot of music as there is every year released, but. In years past, for me, there were usually 
five or six records that stood out very quickly and stayed on the list. And so I just kind of had to build my top 10 around that. This year, there wasn't anything that just came out and said, I demand being in your top 10. And there were a few latecomers. And usually there's a few latecomers. But I don't know. This year was very different for me. The same. It was just just strange altogether. Yeah. Now, I ended up listening to like 250 albums in some uh, shape or fashion. There was maybe only, God, I want to say two or three out of that 250 that at first listen, I'm like, yep, that's going to make my top 10. There's no doubt about it. And uh, normally there's more than that. And then 30 to 35 ended up having a shot at my top 10. So I listened to this music quite a bit, especially when it got to that 30 to 35 that I liked. Yeah, and we try to wait as long as we can to record this best of because usually the best of comes out that first week in January. And so if you're listening to this at the time of release, it's we're a week into the new year. We can't wait until January 1st to record this. We have to record a little bit ahead of time because that's how Sonny and I operate. And will there be some things that maybe trickle in at the very end of December? It's possible, but we're into December at the time of this recording. And even if something dropped this weekend or something, I just don't have time to spend any time with it and say, you know, viably, yo, this should be in my top 10 for the year. That's just not, that's not realistic for me. And so uh, there are occasionally are going to be things that fall off the list or don't make the list and i'll end up discovering them through somebody else's top 10 and honestly this year i sort of talked about it last year but this year i really do think like maybe sometime in march or april going back and and doing an episode just based on things i either discovered from other people's podcast their best of list or just things that i discovered on my own you know in january that came out at the end of december and just discussing those a little bit because oftentimes there is a lot of stuff i think that gets missed that's really good you know yeah i've got uh, in my top 10 two november releases so two november releases made it and then at the time of this recording so we're recording on a sunday two days ago Axon Star and Cobra Spell <laughs> released an album, uh, both separately, obviously. I listened to both. I'm like, oh, yeah, the, these are not good. <laughs> <laughs> the Axon Star was straight up fucking righty BC shit. I had to send it to them. They didn't even like it. And the Cobra Spell, it's all female, I think. and But it definitely has a female front woman, and she just didn't have enough punch in her voice for me to pay attention. I have to admit, I did like watching the Cobra Spell video. <laughs> Overall, it wasn't anything that was going to make my top 10, but I didn't hate it. I think the song I heard was called Sex. You know, it had a decent riff in it. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't majorly offending, but it wasn't also something that was going to make my top 10 personally. If you got an all-female, and I'm sorry, I guess I have to apologize that I'm a hetero male and I need this. But if you're going to have an all-female band, and you got a female front woman, obviously, and you're going to do a song called Sex, and you're a metal then you got to be able to sell it with your vocal. It can't just be swaying on the goddamn video. It's got to be like sold with the vocal too. And it just didn't have any sultry, any punch. Like all I could hear was God, Joan Jett or uh, Ann Wilson or Lizzie Hale would do so much better with this song right now. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I don't think you need to apologize for being a hater <laughs> male. <laughs> 
but you know, it's all about the talent for me first and foremost. But look, if you're a female fronted band and you look amazing, but you are awful and your music's awful, then uh, I won't be watching or listening anymore (laughs) to that. So, and there are plenty out there that fit that bill. So for this year, we wanted to change things up a little bit. So hopefully we added a few things to this year's best of. And I've said it before. I like doing the best of at the beginning of the new year, but I also like, I love listening to other people's best ofs because it's interesting to see where a lot of people's heads are at and what they value in music and what did I miss that I can go check out. I've discovered so many bands through other people's best of list. So that really is the huge value and the huge draw for me personally. Yeah, I saw an article today that came up on the feed on the AT&T page. I forgot who the article was by. It was like top 10 albums of 2023, rock albums of 2023. I'm like, oh, okay. So I go check it, all American bands. I'm like, you don't listen to anything that's not made in America. <laughs> so, of course, Metallica was number one and like Foo <laughs> Fighters was number two. Buck Cherry didn't even make the list. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, it's really interesting. And we'll talk more about it as we get in some of these bands that made our list and some that did not. And a band that I think is going to show up on a lot of people's list. And uh, I think it's deserving of it. It just didn't show up on my list, but I'll talk about that as well. It's time for the Crank It Up Music Spotlight. So for tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight, and I am talking about new music because I don't think we've featured or talked about either one of these bands. And both bands put out albums in 2023, and both bands actually had a chance of making my top 10 because I enjoyed both albums. So we're going to give you a double shot of new music for the Crank It Up Spotlight today on this Best Of. I'm going to start with a band from Australia called the Casanovas. I discovered this band through one of the Facebook posts. Somebody said, hey, I'm listening to this new record. It's really good. And whenever I see posts like that on Facebook, a lot of times, especially if people chime in, Uh, and say oh it's a great record i like to go check it out because it only takes a few minutes for me to check it out and either i like what i hear and i throw it on a list to listen to later or i dismiss it immediately and say this isn't my thing but this band came up and they put on a new record called backstreet rhythms they're formed in 1999 by frontman tommy boyce the casanova's Began like a lot of rock bands, just kind of playing a bunch of clubs. They're from Australia, as I said earlier. Check out this tune off their record, Backstreet Rhythms, called The Last Time Was Good.
All right, so moving on to the second part of this double shot. There's a band called The Bites, not The Biters. <laughs> I know it can be confusion. This one is just called The Bites, and they put an album out called Squeeze earlier this year. And the song that I'm going to play off this one is called Knocking on the Door. This is an L.A. band. Check it out. Okay, have you heard of either one of these bands, and did you like anything that you heard off of uh, these two records? Yeah, so the Casanovas I had heard when it first came out, and I liked some of it, but it didn't have a shot. Uh, That whole 30, 35 albums I'm talking about, it didn't make that list. I thought this song, very radio-friendly, you know, simple, straightforward, mid-tempo type song, fun listen Kind of reminded me of All Summer Long by Kid Rock and the Verses. Because as I was listening to Verses, I'm like, wait a second. That's the same pretty much music feel and beat of All Summer Long. And then I went and listened to All Summer Long. Yeah, it's dead on. But this vocalist is way better than Kid Rock. Uh, The Bites. I had not heard it. I thought you were talking about The Biters, too. I looked up The Biters first. I'm like, The Biters didn't have a new album. Maybe it is The Bites. So then I thought it was Knockin's on Heaven's Door. I'm like, really? We're going to fucking listen to Knockin' on Heaven's Door? Right? And then I'm like, wait a second. Heaven's missing, too. This must be a new song. Listen to it. I didn't like the song much. I thought the music was kind of, you know, okay. The vocalist was okay, but the song just wasn't that interesting to me. And the chorus was like barely meh. So I like the Casanova songs way better than the Bite song. Yeah. So I actually wasn't sure that you would like either one of these, but out of the two, I almost was guaranteeing myself that the Bites wouldn't be your thing. The Bites are a little bit, a little bit Aerosmithy, a little bit cheap trick. And those are bands you don't like, so yeah, right. it, it doesn't surprise me. Knocking on the door for me was very, is very let the music do the talking from Aerosmith. And a lot of their music crosses over to almost a punk feel at times, just a power pop sound at times. I really like the Bites record. Both these records, as I said, had a chance to make my list because they, they came to me pretty late in the year. And so maybe it was the fact that they were sort of fresh in my bucket, but I listened to the records repeatedly a lot. And the more I listened to them, the more I really enjoyed them. And of course, when that happens with anything, they sort of move up on your list or to the forefront of things. So this was my opportunity to say, well, rather than worrying about these bands displacing somebody on my top 10 list, let me just feature them in a a double shot of 
the crank it up spotlight and then that way we get to talk about them we we share them with the listeners the listeners can decide whether they like these bands or not and uh yeah that's a good way to get some extra bands in people's playlist please make sure you hit that follow button to subscribe to growing up rock podcast so you don't miss an episode all right so one of the things we added which i think we've done before uh, but we just wanted to kind of do it at the front side of it. Sometimes we do it on the back side of it. We might do a little bit of that too. But we wanted to share our favorite concert of the year, our favorite TV show or shows of the year, and our favorite movie of the year or possibly movies. For me, you know, I could easily pick something off of Mork for a concert of the year. So I didn't pick anything off of Mork. Instead, and we talked about it a little bit, March 20th, 2023, at the Nutter Center in Dayton, I saw Toby Mac, Crowder, Cochran and Company, and a few others. The reason I wanted to highlight that concert was I had not seen Toby Mac live. I didn't know who Toby Mac was, and I can't get enough of the guy. Like, I've been listening to the guy for basically a year straight now because the stuff is so catchy. And then seeing it live, it's just like, oh, my God, that's just so good. And then we saw him live again in November. Uh, we'll most likely, we'll see him live every time he comes by now. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's always good when you uh, are able to connect with an artist uh, and your wife connects with it as as well. It makes things a lot uh, a lot better and a lot easier. Yeah. TV show. I watched a lot of good TV, but uh, if I had to pick one, I binged uh, Godfather of Harlem. So the third season was released in 2023. I had not seen either part of the first two seasons. So I watched all three at the same time. Forrest Whitaker is really the star, and it's about 1960s Bumpy Johnson, the whole story of him taking over Harlem and selling drugs and et cetera, et cetera. I've seen the movie American Gangster with Denzel Washington. It's a similar type story, but it goes one step beyond. It's Bumpy Johnson's like uh, heir to the throne kind of thing on that movie, and I love that movie. So I was very impressed. I'm not a huge Forrest Whitaker fan, but this Godfather of Harlem was pretty damn good. Have you seen it? I've seen all seasons, and I've binged all seasons. I love it. This is definitely in my I love this kind of stuff. Like I, I always watch the drug cartel movies and the drug movies. I just because it's a mixture of of that, which keeps me interested. And it's a mixture of history as well, because it is based on a lot of history. So uh, I enjoy it. I thought the other part that was interesting in Godfather Harlem is between the first two seasons and the third season, the person who played Malcolm X changed. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, that is a key character. And you have to have a certain look, feel, and you got to be able to sell it. Dude, that's a hard character to change midstream. I thought it went off without a hitch. I thought both were great. It must have went off so good without a hitch that you didn't even notice. Oh, no, I can't say that I did. Sorry. <laughs> One thing that often happens, and I'll talk about this. Like, so I binged the first two seasons because the first two seasons were out. And at the time I binged those two seasons, season three was not out yet. So... You know, a lot happens in between. Oftentimes, I have to go back and watch the last episode of whatever the last season was just so I can kind of remember where it's at and how it ended. Otherwise, I'm just sort of, you know, I'm lost a little bit. So I just I forget a lot of stuff. Uh, and I certainly I know the character, but I didn't I didn't know that they changed actors. That That's not something that stuck out to me. Yeah, that's interesting. And then my fave movie, which I'm very surprised because it was a prime video movie, that it didn't get a whole lot of publicity. Because if we would have made this movie, if this movie would have been made in, let's say, 2002, 
this thing would have been a box office absolute smash. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Jason Bateman, Viola Davis, Chris Tucker about the story of Nike and how they signed Air Jordan. It's called Air. Dude, this thing, like, it's it's released 20 years ago. It does, what, $200 million at the theaters? And I don't even, I, everybody, everybody I ask, have you seen the movie? They're like, there was a movie about that? I'm like, really? We're talking about possibly the most known athlete on the planet. And nobody knows about this movie. Have you seen the movie? I saw the movie. I think what it is, uh, this this movie I don't think was in theaters. It's a, No, it wasn't. It was Prime only. Yeah, it's an Amazon Prime. So what it comes down to is whether or not you have Amazon Prime and you use the streaming. I mean, if you don't, let's say you're only a Netflix user or you're only an HBO Max user, you're not going to know about this movie. I wouldn't have known about the movie, but I have I have Amazon Prime. So I look for Prime movies and yeah, I saw it when it came out because I'm interested in that kind of thing. I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. I agree with you. And I thought they did a good job of. I won't ruin the movie for anybody. They did a good job of the Michael Jordan character not overtaking the movie, that the movie was really about Nike and getting Michael Jordan and less about actually Michael Jordan. Correct. And that's what it should have been. I mean, that that's what the story was meant to be. It's just that Michael is what skyrocketed the brand. And and so it was a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you? How about concert movie show? Yeah, so I'm like you. I could have picked something off Mork, and if it was going to be Mork, it probably would have been that extreme pool deck show or the uh, Taiketo, the first Taiketo show in the uh, in Studio B. Those were my favorite concerts from Mork. But for me, we have a, a newer venue here in town called the Eastern in Atlanta, and it is fantastic. It's a great venue. My wife and I really enjoy this new venue. We saw Hailstorm there in 2022. This year, we got the chance to see the Struts and a new band that I hadn't heard of before called Mac Saturn. And I always like to get there early to check out the opener because you never know when you're going to discover a great band that's opening up. There's there's times where you'll discover a piece of shit, but once in a while, you'll discover a gem. And uh, this Struts show was um, no exception. Uh, we really enjoyed Mac Saturn when they opened up for the Struts and we hadn't heard of them before then. My wife and I just about go to a, a strut show every time they're in town because they're just so much fun live. They're really, really good live. She enjoys them. She enjoys the music. And like I was saying earlier to you with the uh, Toby Mac thing, when you can connect with a band uh, and your wife likes them as well, it's a win-win. It's a bonus. So for me, the Struts and Max Saturn at the Eastern in Atlanta was one of my favorite concerts. And then also recently we saw Mammoth WVH at the Buckhead Theater in Atlanta. And that also was a fantastic concert. TV shows in 2023. So TV shows and movies for me are really, really tough because, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. TV and movies is a lot like music nowadays. It comes at you from all different directions, and there's just like this massive flow of new movies and new TV every day through all the streaming, all, all the streaming services. It's at your fingertips, and you know you basically just kind of you read about it, or you go through Rotten Tomatoes, or you go through different polls and stuff to see 
what are people saying who who liked this movie who didn't is it worth my time because i don't have enough time to waste on something that's not that great so i'm sure that i'm missing things that are good uh and i'm probably wasting time on things that people said are good but suck (laughs) so what are you gonna do so oftentimes i can't remember everything that i saw or didn't see and that's really for movies for sure like i'm always drawing a blank when we get to this part for tv this year the boys on amazon prime i've just i've enjoyed that series since it started i like the whole superhero thing and the boys is like the anti-superhero thing because it is so gritty and so vile and so nasty i just I don't know. There's something about it that draws me in and I really, really enjoy it. So I finally got around to watching season three of the boys this year and it did not disappoint. I've enjoyed every season of the boys on Amazon, Amazon Prime. I also started a new series on HBO Max called Warrior. They have three seasons out. And so I watched season one. I really enjoyed it. It's uh, martial arts, but it centers around San Francisco in the um, late 1800s with the railroad coming about and everything. So I just really enjoyed that series. Season one, uh, I binged the whole series and I'm just kind of pacing myself so I don't like go through it all at once because <laughs> I like something to look forward to. And then movies. I don't know whether it's because it's more recent, but I really enjoyed totally killer again it's an amazon original i hate to keep going back to amazon but it's just what's what's there i thought it was unique and original because it's sort of like scream but they add this element of time travel into it and it also focuses on the 90s not the 80s but more like 90s so a lot of the music is 90s i found it interesting and sort of unique and i thought it was a really well put together type sort of slasher slash comedy slash dramedy type thing. Uh, it definitely worth the watch. Totally Killers, the name of that one. And then as a second, the show, The Burial, uh, not show, it is a movie, The Burial, and it's based on a true story uh, with Tommy Lee Jones. I thought that was really good as well. So if you haven't seen The Burial, check that one out as well. But those are my my concerts, my TV shows and my movies. Are you familiar with any of that? Uh, I've not seen the Struts or Mammoth Live, um, and uh, well, we might end up talking about them in a little bit. Uh, the Boys, I tried The Boys season one. I didn't enjoy it, but I don't remember what I didn't like about it, so I got to try that again. Warrior, it scared me off because it was primarily an Asian cast, and sometimes, like for whatever reason, the shows that have primarily Asian cast never seem that great to me. I don't know why. You know, I don't have a problem with Chinatown or 19th century. I loved Kung Fu and stuff like that. But sometimes I don't know if it's the accents and I can't understand what's being said. And I hate watching shows with a fucking ticker tape thing on the bottom. What's that shit called? Closed caption or whatever. So <laughs> I think you're talking about subtitles. Yeah, whatever. Um, I just call it ticker tape because that's what it matters. Totally killer. There was no way I was going to watch that movie because I don't like slasher movies. But I had not heard about The Burial. So I got to try that one out because I do like Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, so you should enjoy the burial. Totally killer, I would tell you. I would tell you to give it a a try because, yeah, it it is sort of a slasher movie, but there's a lot of other elements like time travel and a period piece. And I think overall that you might enjoy it. And it's not, 
I don't I didn't find it overly gory. Like it's definitely not overly gory. The boys, that's pretty gory. So <laughs> that might be what you didn't like about the boys, but it's it's definitely way more graphic than totally killer. Warrior, I would tell you to check out because yes, there are some subtitles, but I want to say that just about all the Asian actors are American Asians. There's literally no accent and it's not dubbed or anything like that. Like it's completely American and it's well done. And some of the martial arts is killer. Like (laughs) some of the martial arts, the guy, to me, the main character in warrior comes off very Bruce Lee. Like he has a lot of Bruce Lee attitude and stuff. And, you know, he does the whole hand waving at people and stuff like that. And it's pretty cool. I definitely enjoyed warrior a lot. The way that they do it is like, they might start talking like uh, a sentence of Chinese, but then it switches to American. And so it's kind of weird because they they make it so the people around in the scene think they're talking Chinese, but they're talking American because the audience can understand them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like Queen of the South. It was going in and out of Spanish. And uh, yeah. so it made you pay attention, too, because it's like, what do they say? What did they just say? What, what the hell does that mean? And you got to read the subtitle to understand it. Yeah. So there is a little bit of that, but it's not very much because, I mean, I'm with you. I don't always pay 100 percent attention to something I'm watching, like if I'm scrolling on my phone or something. And to me, there wasn't very many subtitles in uh, Warrior at all. And it's just, a, yeah, I thought it was killer. Uh, but anyway. So that's the stuff that I can remember. There's a ton of stuff, I'm sure, that I just forgot about. And if somebody said something like, well, what about this? I'd probably be like, oh, yeah, that was killer, too. So uh, I just never can remember it when I go start doing these things. And just to keep it equal opportunity, first of all, I'm Asian. I don't got a problem with Asian people. But (laughs) do you remember the show Peaky Blinders? Remember that show? Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody was telling me how killer it was. I watched two episodes. I couldn't get past the accents. I'm like, the accents are way too heavy. Dude, I don't got time to pay attention to this bullshit. Okay, so I completely understand exactly what you're saying. And uh, Warrior is not like that. Trust me. I understand what you're saying about Peaky Blinders. Warrior definitely is not like that from an accent standpoint. You can understand exactly everything that everybody is saying in Warrior. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Look at all the people here tonight! Oh man, I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. Always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at Growing Up Rock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. 
In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Okay, so getting to our top 10 albums of 2023, as I kind of mentioned before, I listened to about 250 albums, you know, in somewhat of their entirety. Like, there was times where I'd listen to one song and go, okay, that vocalist sucks. I can't listen anymore. There was some that I tried, and I'm like, wait a second, this isn't rock. Somebody said this was rock. This isn't rock. So there's some I gave up quickly. I would say out of the 250, 30 to 35 albums had a shot. So what I do is, as they get released on Friday... I drop them into a playlist, a Spotify playlist, anything that may have a shot at my top 10. And then that's the one that I listen to on shuffle throughout the year. I took the 30, 35 I had in that playlist and I pared it down to 20 fairly quickly. 20 to 10 was a little more difficult, but I got it done. But it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be that it has been in prior years. So after doing all that, my number 10 was the third album from the Winery Dogs. It was released on February 3rd by Three Dog Music. And come on, dude, it's the Winery Dogs, it's Kotzen, she and Importnoy, I'm a Winery Dogs homer. There was no way this wasn't making my top 10. The album has their staple noodling, great melodies, expert musicianship. Saw them live this year, they were great. If you're a fan of melodic hard rock, there's absolutely no reason not to give Winery Dogs 3 a chance. If you want to give it a shot, obviously all of these albums are going to be on Spotify. But the three songs that I like the most are Xanadu, The Vengeance, and Gaslight. Here's a little bit of Gaslight. Number nine, I have a guy named Aaron Jones with an album called Chronicles of the Kid. It was released in June of 2023, and it was released on Big Machine Records. And right now you're like, who the hell is Aaron Jones? Okay, this guy, if you were to see just the album cover, he's African-American, looks very blues, doesn't look like rap on the album cover, looks more like possibly soul or easy listening slash blues. So you wouldn't really get rock out of the album cover. And I get it that, you know, uh, people don't want to give artists they've never heard a chance. But uh, just to give the people some culture, Aaron's a a singer, guitarist that got his start in 2005, is from Seattle, Washington. And because of where he grew up and the era he grew up in, he's 37 years old, by the way. His music is a blend of rock, grunge, hip hop and soul. So this new album, which is his fourth, is mostly rock and has some absolute killer songs on it. So check out these songs. My three favorite were Straw Man. Blood in the Water, and My America. Here is a snippet of Straw Man. 
And my number eight, and then I want to get your thoughts on these three albums. It's a band called Storm Warning with their first album called Storm Warning. It was released in uh, March 17th of 2023 on Frontiers. So Storm Warning is a melodic hard rock band from Argentina. And normally what happens in South America, they kind of have a reputation for like death metal and thrash bands. I was going to say trash bands, thrash, trash, tomato, tomato to me. But every once in a while, you get a great rock band from this area of the world, too. Uh, Storm Warning's debut album. I would say their sound is somewhere between Bon Jovi, Europe, Journey, and Boston kind of mixed together. Great vocal melodies, great riffs, good keyboard mixes. A lot of their songs have a ton of energy, very anthemic. This would be a band I would like to see live. So from this new album, my three favorite were Eye of the Storm, Satellite Falling, and Neon Skies. Here's a little bit of Eye of the Storm. What do you think about those three albums? Okay, so starting with the Winery Dogs 3. Look, I love the Winery Dogs. Sheehan, Portnoy, Kotzen. How can you go wrong, right? It's all great stuff. I think probably what people don't like about the Winery Dogs is obviously it can be noodly at times because you got those three guys in a band. So you have to, for me, I have to be in the mood to always listen to the Winery Dogs. I like the record, but I didn't necessarily listen to that record nonstop this year, uh, which is probably why it didn't make my top 10. Uh, but I think it's a great record. If you like the Winery Dogs, then there's no reason you wouldn't like Winery Dogs 3. Aaron Jones was the first surprise on your list for me. Uh, I had vaguely heard of him, but I didn't know anything about him. I thought he was just a blues guy. Uh, I had no idea. Occasionally, you'll have those blues guys with great voices uh, in your list or your listening uh, list, I should say. And so I had to check this guy out uh, because I hadn't really heard anybody talk about him. Yeah, I was a little surprised when I put on the record, not so much that he was rock, but that he was sort of, 
I would say, I don't, you know what? I don't know, no term I'm going to use like new metal or any of that type sound is uh, indicative of his sound. He was heavier than I thought he would be. Like it wasn't so much that he was rock. That didn't surprise me, but he was heavier rock. Uh, I enjoyed what I heard. Straw Man was decent. I haven't spent any time at all with the record. So all I did was check it out based on the fact that he was in your list. But nothing I heard was bad. Put it that way. Storm Warning. I got this record at the same time you did. They sent some uh, promo copies over and I checked it out. Eye of the Storm. I really like a lot. I understand why you like this band. For me, it's just a little bit too mellow, a little bit too much keyboards for me. Uh, I think that there are a few other bands that uh, swim in this same lane that came out this year that if I was really, really wanting to hear that kind of thing, I would probably go to some of those records. But it's not bad. Uh, it's not something where I'm like, oh, this is awful. Not at all. Uh, so I just I found it interesting that they made your list. Like what you're hearing? Share this episode out. Post it to your favorite social network and let people know you're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast. It will help us grow and we greatly appreciate it. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So moving on to my 10, 9, and 8, I don't know that I'm going to have a whole lot of surprises on this list, uh, on my list in general, maybe a couple, probably the two biggest surprises might have been the Crank It Up New Music Spotlights, but starting at number 10, Winger 7. So Winger put out a new record earlier in the year, I think around about February or so, February, March, somewhere in that time zone. I think it's a solid Winger record. If you liked any of the last three Winger records that they put out, to me, this is in line with those last three records. For me, some of my favorite tunes off it are Stick Knife In and Twist, Heaven's Falling, and this one I'll play a piece of called Resurrect Me. I've lived and died 
I just think Wiener is a talented band. They they still put out quality music. They still sound great live. We see them on Mort just about every year. I think they're on again this year. It's good stuff. My number nine. So I talked about it earlier. Uh, the Struts, they're always amazing live. They just put on a great show and it's a fun show. Like if you're not prepared to go sing and dance at a Strut show, then you may not enjoy it. But the Struts put out Pretty Vicious in 2023. To me, it had a lot of great stuff on it. It was definitely a little bit of a change from their previous albums. I discount the last record they put out just because they had all these guest appearances and they put it out. They kind of did it during COVID times. It, to me, it wasn't necessarily a true Struts record. There was some great stuff on it. Don't get me wrong, but this was the first Struts record that I feel like was, you know, a real Struts record. Pretty Vicious has some great stuff on it. To me, I like the old school strut sounding stuff. Too Good at Raising Hell, Rockstar, and this one that I'm going to play a clip of called Do What You Want. Just infectious, fun music. It makes me smile when I get uh, some good, upbeat struts music. I really dig it. And then number eight, we've known these guys for a while. They've been on the podcast at various times. Rock City Machine Company is the new band put together by Ryan Cook, Jeremy Ashbrock, and Phil Schaus. And they put this record out that they recorded with Marty Fredrickson. And I thought it was really good. It stayed on my list for a while. Can't Stop the Train was the first song on there. Summer Song, which we played in our summer episode. And I'll play a piece of this called When Trouble Finds You.
So those are my 10, 9, and 8. One thing I will say that I didn't get to say at the top. So one thing I did differently this year in trying to narrow down my list is every time a new record came out, I threw it on a playlist, the same playlist called like the best of 2023. And I put the entire record on there. And then as I had time, I would go through that entire record. As things hit me or didn't hit me, I would pull the record off the list. Rock City Machine Company is something that stayed on that list pretty much the entire year since it came out. I kept going back to it. I think a lot of those guys, they are in the same bang zone of rock and roll that I am. The Van Halen, the 70s rock, the early 80s rock. They just they enjoy that stuff as much. And a lot of it comes through on this record. There are songs that remind me of 70, late 70s rock as well as Van Halen and things like that into the 80s and so that's where i thought this record was really good and warranted being on my list but that's pretty much how i chose these records i got down to probably 20 records by september and then in september i started narrowing that list down again for the next two or so months till i got to my top 10 and actually it ended up being probably top 12 top 13 records and then narrowed it down from there so that's my 10 9 and 8 Sonny what are your thoughts on those records so starting with the winger record it made the initial had a shot list that it was one of the records in my 30 35 it just didn't make my top 20 and had nothing to do with the music it really didn't have anything to do with really the songwriting so much it had more to do with melody and kip like he didn't do anything that excited me it felt a little flat to me. Uh, I did like Resurrect Me, Voodoo Fire, Tears of Blood probably the best, but uh, that's why I didn't make my top 20. The Struts, I've been hit and miss with the Struts. I've tried a lot of stuff that people have asked me to try. I've liked some of it, not liked some of it. I wanted to give this album a really good chance. It did make my initial list. It didn't make my top 20. My faves off this one was Too Good at Raising Hell, which I thought that was a great song. The title track, Pretty Vicious, and Do What You Want. I really like that song. RCMC, it didn't even make my had a shot list. I listened to this record in full three, four times. I love Ryan, love Jeremy, love Phil. And the album's good. There's just a lot of other albums I liked better. Stuff like Summer Song, Ramblin' Gamblin' Man, I thought were great. And I really wanted this thing to be in my top five. I just It just didn't hit me as well as some of the other albums did. But songs like Ramblin' Gamblin' Man, I mean, they're really good. Now, part of me is I don't love that 70s rock sound either and i think that's part of what just didn't connect with me off this album yeah i think that's a hundred percent i think you nailed it i know that you're not a huge fan of that uh uh 70s mid to late 70s early 70s uh rock sound that's not your thing and so that doesn't surprise me at all and uh you know what there's no sin in in liking or not liking any of the stuff that's discussed here today that's this is our personal top 10 and whether we like it or, or don't like it it's really it's it's an up to the individual itself so uh don't ever be ashamed of that yeah all right so my seven six five four at number seven i got a band called the electric mob with an album called to make you cry and dance that was released on january 27th and it's a frontiers band so Electric Mob released their debut album 2020, Brazilian Band, another diamond in the rough from South America. Normally, when the sophomore album comes out, if a sophomore album ever comes out, which we've got some friends that the band just can't stay together or can't keep the same members. 
But Electric Mob really did well on the second album. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I am a sucker for that gritty, dirty, blues-influenced hard rock, especially when the vocalist can sell it. And, dude, if you have not heard this guy, Renan Zanta, man, he can absolutely wail. The Electric Mob sound is kind of semi, semi-heavy, semi very riffy, has a lot of hook-filled melodies. I like their last album. I like this album even better. So three songs to give a try. It's Gonna Hurt, Sun is Falling, and Will Shine. Here is a snippet of It's Gonna Hurt. At number six, this was actually a late entry, but we had heard some of the music uh, before it got released officially. The artist is called Temple Balls. The album is Avalanche. It got released officially on November 10th on Frontiers. So, again, the listeners are probably like Aaron Jones and who the hell is Temple Balls? That's like sounds made up. But uh, <laughs> we have discussed this album, uh, this band before. They're from Finland. They're very much a heat and eclipse type genre, blending like 80s white snake, 80s Europe into kind of a more modern sound. Some of it can be cheesy at times, especially when you're, you know, trying to sell passion, but it kind of gets lost in the translation between Finnish and English. But it's hooky, it's catchy, it's easy to listen to music. If you love hair metal, you got to give this a chance because there's no reason not to give it a chance. Temple Balls, here's three songs to give a chance to All Night Long, Trap, and No Reason. Here's a little bit of All Night Long. Number five, I'm sure I'll get some hate mail for this. Godsmack, Lighting Up the Sky, February 24th, it got released on BMG. It was basically self-released. We don't discuss Godsmack much on this podcast because, you know, they're not always the most melodic rock guys. And I think there's a love-hate with new metal kind of all in general. If you guys call this new metal, I'm actually a fan of Godsmack. I love their aggressive approach, their groove. I love Sully's voice. It's just a good mix to my ear. I'll tell you, you got to be in a certain mood to listen to it whether it's Godsmack or Disturbed or any of the bands like that. 
And normally, you know, if I feel like like punching the MF or this next to me, like I, I got God smack in my ears, like that's kind of stuff. Um, but the music does make a lot of my playlist, like driving or on the plane or walking in Vegas, like it, it makes it there. These guys have been around 30 years. This is their eighth studio album. And unlike what Event Sevenfold did on their last album, these guys kept it to their core sound. A7X went to this weird place. I can't even listen to it. Godsmack gave you exactly what a Godsmack fan would want. So songs to try. You and I, Red, White, and Blue, and What About Me? And here is a snippet of Red, White, and Blue. For my number four, and then I want to get your thoughts on these four albums, The Defiance with an album called Drive released on June 9th on Frontiers. So you probably don't know who The Defiance are, but most likely you have heard of a band called Danger Danger. The Defiance are a mix of past and present Danger Danger members. So it's Paul Lane on vocals, Bruno Ravel on bass, Rob Marcello on guitar. Drive is their third studio album. In my opinion, this one rocks harder than anything Danger Danger's ever released. You get a good groove, you get memorable melodies, riffy guitar, fiery guitar solo. Like, I would love to see these guys live or even on Monsters of Rock. I thought it would be great. Songs to try off this new album from The Defiance, 19 Summertime, So Good, and Hey Life. Here's a snippet of Hey Life. All right. What'd you think about those four albums? All right. So let's 
start at the top of that list. Electric Mob, fantastic record. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that record going further, but just a fantastic record. Temple Balls, Avalanche, also a fantastic record. Also a record that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. I'm giving away too much. It is what it is. All right. So Godsmack, light, lighting up the sky. Yeah. So the reason that we don't talk about Godsmack a ton on this podcast is because, yeah, I'm not a fan. Godsmack. And uh, it's funny that you just happen to mention them in the same breath, which is uh, disturbed. They're very similar for me in terms of my love for them which is that I have no love for them. I went, I gave it a shot. I went and listened to the Godsmack record. You know, I don't know how to put this. So I don't hate Godsmack music. What I think I don't connect with is Sully's voice. I just, I, I think that there's just some weird quality to his voice that I don't connect with. And it's, and I think it's probably the same with David Drain, Dramine, whatever his name is. I think it's the same with him. I don't connect with either one of those vocals, which causes me not to love the the band. But musically, like heavy guitar, there's usually nothing like I should like it. But for some reason, it doesn't connect with me. It wasn't offensive to me. It was just something that I just didn't connect with. The Defiance, I think that record is great. I agree with you. It's probably the best of the three that they've put out. We played 19 Summertime on our summer episode. It's just a really, really good record. One thing and one reason this record probably didn't make my list is because I think it tends to tail off towards the end of the record. But that front half of that record is super strong. And I really enjoyed the Defiance record. So I don't think that that's a bad a bad seven, six, five, and four. I think uh, that's a good selection of records uh, right there. Moving on to my seven, six, five, and four. So I'm going to start at number seven, and that's Metallica 72 Seasons. I know a lot of people probably have this on their list, and a lot of people are like, are you kidding me? This record's awful. Wherever you stand with Metallica, to me, I've been a fan since that very first album. And this record has all those qualities on this record under a better recording because it's it's newer. I think songs like 72 Seasons, Lux Eterna, and Screaming Suicide are fantastic. To me, the whole record's great. Now, I've said before, it's not like I listen to a ton of Metallica or a ton of heavy stuff these days. I tend to gravitate towards some more melodic rock. But when I want to hear something like that, I go to Metallica and whether I'm listening to Master of Puppets or Ride the Lightning or Kill 'Em All or something newer like Death Magnetic, which I thought was a good record as well. 72 Seasons is a great record. I mean, I just I don't have anything bad to say about it. I think that Metallica is a band that's doing it right right now. They're doing it well. And they're putting out great quality stuff and their concerts are amazing and they're doing things that I just think are really, really geared towards the fans. I think some of the things that they do to the fans are some of the things that all these people complain about from the other bands that they love. Metallica is doing those things the right way.
Moving on to Buck Cherry's Volume 10. Buck Cherry, Sonny and I, sometimes I think Sonny and I are the only ones that like Buck Cherry on this planet. I don't, I don't understand what it is. There's a lot of hate out there for Buck Cherry, and I don't quite get it. Do I love everything they do? I don't. And in fact, on this Volume 10 record, there's a couple of songs that I'm like, oh, man, this is not good. One of the ballads that they put on the record this year, I just did not like at all. And I really felt there was no reason for a cover of Summer of 69. That's just me personally. But that being said, the record has several, several other great songs on it. And I think that Volume 10 is definitely worth the listen the three songs that I would suggest that I absolutely love is a song like This and That, Good Time, and we'll play a snippet of Let's Get Wild. Moving on to Wigwam. People are like, who the fuck is Wigwam? All right. So Wigwam's actually been out for a really long time. They've been around. They disbanded for a while. They got back together. They put out two albums in the past uh, three or four years uh, once they reunited. We saw them on Monsters of Rock Cruise this past year. They're an interesting band, but the two records that they put out most recently, I think, are super solid. And this latest release, Out of the Dark, I think is really pretty much good start to finish. So songs like Out of the Dark, Bad Luck Chuck, and here's a snippet of a song called Ghosting You.
They're an interesting band live as well. They play the whole glam rock thing to a hilt. Uh, they were sort of hit or miss for me live. I don't know if I bought the whole spiel. Uh, I think some of us in our group really didn't love it, but if you're just listening to this record, I think this is a really, really solid release for 2023. Moving up to number four. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It is sort of new medley, and it is a little left of center to most of the stuff I listen to. But Mammoth WVH put out their second record this year. And to me, it's just another solid record. The first record made my top 10 the year before last, I think it was. Maybe it was last year, but I think it was the year before last. To me, this is just a continuation of that record. I think the material on it is just along that line i know a lot of people it's not their bag i get it for me one of the things that draws me in are the melodies i think he has really good melodies really good hooks and he knows how to craft a song take away the fact that he plays everything on the record he sings i just think he's a talented guy and he came off as such live as well songs like another celebration at the end of the earth right and i'll play a piece of this one called i'm all right I really enjoy his humor. He has he he doesn't he takes everything with kind of a grain of salt. His videos are hilarious. He's just got a good sense of humor and he's a great talent. So I enjoyed Mammoth WVH, the second record, as much as the first record. He was also good live, and that's why he's in my number four slot. Those are my seven, six, five, and four, Mr. Pooney. Okay, so let's start with Metallica. It didn't even have a shot to make my list. I have to be in the mood. It's good stuff. It's just not stuff I listen to often. The three songs you mentioned are fine. I would say 72 Seasons is probably my favorite out of those three. Uh, But, yeah, Metallica, you know, I basically stick to Master and Black Album. That's about it. Buck Cherry, we may talk about that a little later, so we'll skip that for now. Wigwam, it did make my top 20 list. It didn't crack my top 10. I'm not buying the pirate look either. Like, it just sounds better when you don't watch it kind of thing. Uh, my faves on this album is uh, Out of the Dark, Ghosting You, and High and Dry. And then Mammoth, Wolfie. You know, being Eddie's son, 
can't be easy on just the psyche of what that means being Michael Jordan's son, Tiger Woods kid. Like they've just got, you know, these names that are bigger than life, you know, probably wasn't easy for Lisa Marie, like just these guys, I feel bad for them. And I, I'll tell you, Wolfie is talented as hell. And I do agree with that. The album had no chance to make my list. The last album to me was meh. My, this album was meh. The three songs you put here were meh. His feisty attitudes, meh. His personalities, meh. It, people are comparing him to Foo Fighters, meh. Like, I just, nothing about Wolfie excites me. And I, I'm sorry to say that because the guy's going through a lot and the guy's trying to be his own guy. And I think that's great. And I love the guys that can do their own thing. But I don't listen to a lot of Bob Dylan. He was doing his own thing, right? So I just, it's just meh to me. I can't get into it. If you're a Spotify listener, check out some of the killer playlists we have put together for your listening pleasure. Links to the playlist are in the show notes, or just search Growing Up Rock Playlist in Spotify. All right, so top three time. My number three, Dirty Honey Can't Find the Breaks, just got released in November off of Dirt Records. Uh, a lot of people have listed Dirty Honey as one of their favorite new bands, but they really only have one studio album, one EP out there. And if you already like them, you are going to love the second release because this newest batch of songs has the same feel as the last album, but they have a lot more refinement to them on the songwriting versus like the independent raw that you got two years ago. I see them similar to Rival Sons. I like a lot of Rival Sons, too. And I get it. Somebody's going to say, well, you said you didn't like 70s rock. So why do you like Rival Sons? That's a little different. I hear more of the doors in the Rival Sons. I hear more 60s, late 60s, early 70s than I hear 70s fucking Leonard Skinner, Sweet Home Alabama bullshit. I've not seen Dirty Harding live yet. I hope to. But uh, Mark, John, and Justin, and their new drummer, Jaden, man, they got something special going for sure. So if you haven't tried Can't Find the Breaks, here's three songs to try. Don't Put Out the Fire, Dirty Mind, and Make It All Right. Here's a snippet of Dirty Mind. Number two, we got Extreme's sixth album that came out in uh, June 9th on Ear Music. Extreme fans have been waiting, waiting, waiting for this album. <laughs> 15 years, and we finally get Extreme's sixth album. Now, the problem with waiting that long, your expectations get unreasonable, especially when anytime Nuno was asked over the last 15 years about, hey, what's up with the new album? And he kept saying stuff like, we're not releasing anything unless it's perfect, unless it's awesome. So then the band initially re released a couple of singles. They were good. Everybody was like, okay, that's that's good stuff. And then we saw Rise played live on Mork, and it blew me away. Then the full album dropped. And from the first listen, I'm like, oh, my God, this was worth the wait. 
This is definitely going to make my top 10. If you love that Extreme is not a one-trick pony, you know, just like their hero's queen, then you'll be fully satisfied with this record because they're all over the place. The only reason Extreme ended up number two on my list is because I like the straight-ahead songs. I'm not the biggest Queen fan in the world, so some of the different stuff they do doesn't always connect with me, but I promise you it's all good. And I probably don't need to say it out loud. Nuno absolutely rips on this album. Nuno has not lost a lick of who he was. And my number one album, you mentioned it earlier, Buck Cherry Volume 10. I think we are the only two people that like Buck Cherry. Uh, it got released on June 2nd on Round Hill Records. From the first time I heard the first single, I'm like, this sounds probably going to end up being number one. I get it. Some people don't like Buck Cherry. I love them. And like I shared in the past, the more I hear like the Judas Priest or the Twisted Sisters of the world, the more I hate them. The more I hear Buck Cherry, the more I love them. Then being able to talk to Josh Todd and hearing him on the interview, you doing an interview with him, just made me love him even more. And then we got to talk to Stevie D this year, which made me love him even more. So if you like Buck Cherry at all, again, they gave the fans exactly who Buck Cherry is. No frills, just great, gritty, rebel rock and roll. Here's some songs to try. Good time. Feels like love, which that's probably the ballad you're talking about. And this and that. But here is a bit of good time. I'm assuming you like those three albums. I do like those three albums and uh, feel like love is actually the ballad that I thought was all right. It's the second ballad on the record that I really don't like. What is it? Pain? Is that yeah, right? Yeah. 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 That, that one didn't sit 
great with me, but that's all right. Like I said, you can't. It's tough to have a complete album that I love everything off of. Uh, so going back up to the top, Dirty Honey. Yeah, it's a great record. I really enjoy Dirty Honey quite a bit. Uh, I like their last record. Uh, I agree with Sonny. This record is even a step forward in that. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to talk about them next on my list because they made my number three slot as well. Uh, songs that you mentioned are fantastic. He's just, I saw them open up for the Black Crows and he's as good of a singer live as he is on record. That dude can blow. He's got strong pipes, man. He is a really, really strong singer. And uh, I enjoy the grooves. I mean, I dig this band. And for me, some people will say, well, Dirty Honey and Rival Sons are very similar. I disagree. Rival Sons doesn't really connect with me. I don't love Rival Sons. And I think part of the reason I don't like Rival Sons is because to me, every time I listen to a Rival Sons record, they have that doubling sound on the guitar that just, it ruins it for me. And if it was like one song once in a while, but it sounds like every song is that way to me. Whereas Dirty Honey, they're just more of a straight up, straight ahead rock, like, you know, Aerosmith groove type blues, uh, very Tor Tor. Like Dirty Honey reminds me a lot of of certain songs from Tora Tora. And the guy sort of has a lot of qualities to his voice that are very a younger Anthony Corder as well. Go listen to some of the early Tora Tora records and then listen to Dirty Honey. Very, very similar in a lot of the sounds. So I like Tora Tora, like Dirty Honey. It's a great record. Extreme. The first three songs are so freaking strong. Rise, Hashtag Rebel banshee great songs there's some other good stuff on the record but that left turn that they take the thing that they like to do a little bit differently it's okay i don't mind that i have an open mind i like queen i like a lot of that stuff i expect it on queen records but for me this six record extreme six there's a lot of sort of slower stuff on the record and One thing that bugs me is like the first three songs in the record are so strong with uh, Hashtag Rebel, Rise, and uh, Banshee, but then they slow it so far down, and it's not just like they slow it down for one song. They put two back-to-back songs on the record that are kind of in that slower place. So... It just, I didn't keep going back to the record, I guess is my point. I kept going back to those three songs, but I didn't necessarily keep going back to the whole record. Uh, and that's n- nothing against Extreme or Nuno. I still love them all. I still love Extreme. I still love Nuno. I love all that stuff. Looking forward to seeing them on Monsters of Rock Cruise again this year. That record just didn't make my top 10. That's all. And then your number one, Buck Cherry. Like I said earlier, it's a great record. In fact, the majority of the record I really enjoy. It's just uh, two or three songs that I think I could have done without on that record as a whole. But overall, that record's great. Hey, folks. Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. 
And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right, so getting to my three, two, one, as I said earlier, Dirty Honey fell in the exact same slot for me. Can't find the breaks. It's a really fantastic record. Songs like Don't Put Out the Fire, Won't Take Me Alive, and Dirty Mind, I think are super strong. Here's a snippet of Don't Put Out the Fire. Listen to this guy's vocals. All this time, you were satisfied. But I didn't know that you would want to leave But don't you put out the fire Moving on to a band that Sonny talked about earlier in his list, Temple Balls. They put out Avalanche this year. In fact, they put it out late in the year. I think this record came out in October, if I'm not mistaken. This is a strong record. It's not often that I listen to a record and it hits me right away. And I'm like, wow, that record's really strong. I've liked the other Temple Balls records, but this one hit me right away. And I was like, wow, that's really a step up. Produced by Jonah T from Heat. Uh, this record, man, I'm telling you, don't sleep on this. I ignore the fact that the band is called Temple Balls. I get it. A lot of people are like turned off by the name of the band, but. We're not judging a band on the name. We're judging a band on its music, right? So I would say give it a chance. Plus, the album cover is pretty cool looking. Temple Balls, it's some sort of drug reference. I've said that a bunch because people don't know what Temple Balls is. And I had to Google it my first time up. And that's that's what it is. Go Google it if you really want to know. But songs like Stand Up and Fight, No Reason, and Here's a Rocker, Trap.
All right, moving on to my number one record, and I don't know whether it's because this record came out in January, February time frame, and I've had pretty much the entire year to live with it, but this record went on my list from the get-go, and it stayed there the entire year, and for whatever reason, I kept going back to this record time and time and time again, and I expected, okay, as the year went on, this record would drop down. And I always kind of thought it would be in my top 10, but I really didn't expect this record to be at number one for me. But it is just a damn good record. And that is Electric Mob to make you cry and dance. There is so much grooves on this record, so much emotion on this record. Sonny talked about it earlier when he talked about the record. The singer is amazing. It's fantastic. It sounds great. I really, really enjoy this record. Sonny talked about songs. He played a little bit of It's Gonna Hurt. Songs like Sun Is Falling, It's Gonna Hurt. Try this one. Here's a snippet of a song called Saddest Funk Ever. So that is my top three releases. Sonny, what are your thoughts on those three? I have none because I already talked about all three. So I got no thoughts on those additionally. <laughs> Great. There albums. you go. Right. They all made your top list. They just ended up a little higher for me. Uh, so that's it for me. Electric Mob, Temple Balls, Dirty Honey, Mammoth WVH, Wigwam, Buck Cherry, Metallica, Rock City Machine Company, The Struts, and Winger. For Mr. Pooney, it's the Winery Dogs, Aaron Jones, Storm Warning, Electric Mob, Temple Balls, Godsmack, Defiance, Dirty Honey, Extreme, and Buck Cherry. Pretty good list for sure. All right. So we wanted to share a couple other things too, because, you know, we, we don't just listen to hard rock and metal. We listen to other stuff too. So we wanted to share a couple of albums that maybe weren't really metal or hard rock. Share a live album that maybe we like this year and maybe an EP we like this year. So I'm going to go first. My two non-metal, non-rock albums that I think people should try. The first one is an album called Trust Fall by Pink. So we've talked about Pink before. Pink is you know one of those artists that rock more than you probably think she does. Uh, if you want to give the album a try, songs like Runaway, Just Say I'm Sorry, and When I Get There are pretty good songs. Mark Tremonti. 
right out of the gate. Oh, wait, wait a second. That's rock. That's hard rock metal. That's not. Dude, he released a Christmas album. <laughs> the Christmas album is called Christmas Classics New and Old. And I'm telling you, if I didn't tell you it was Mark Tremonti, you would not know it's Mark Tremonti. But you got to check out uh, Jingle Balls. I almost said Jingle Balls. Jingle Bells. <laughs> Goddamn Temple Balls. Jingle Bells, Let It Snow, and Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Dude, I'm telling you, you play this background music at your Christmas party, which it will be next year because this is coming out after Christmas. People will not know it's Mark Tremonti. I, I guarantee it. And they're great. And they're moderned up a little bit. They're not speedy they still have the same field as christmas songs do but the recordings are so much better that and mark sounds absolutely amazing i I was very surprised the live record i probably liked the best you know there was a couple of live records we're going to talk about one a little bit later too but uh night ranger released one called 40 years in a night with the contemporary youth orchestra and it was released in october it was good for the slower songs, the mid-tempo, the slower stuff like Sister Christian, Goodbye, Sing Me Away came out great. The rockers, I didn't think came out as well. They, they weren't sold as well. They came out okay, and they got a different spin on them. So if you want to check it out, you know, you, you'll see what I'm talking about. And then my EP uh, kind of came out late in the game, and it's by the LA Maybe, and I don't know what they're called now. I think they changed their name. But under the LA Maybe moniker there's an ep out there called shout fire released a few weeks ago my faves on that is down to fight and sirens and it's just got the same punch um that the last la maybe uh, record had so i I thought the ep was great uh and it's unfortunate i guess they had to change their band name and it's just hard to be in the business right now i'm sure so um what'd you think about my uh two non-metal the live record and the ep uh yeah so let's go through this list Pink. I'm a fan of Pink. Uh, to be honest, I have not listened to Trust Ball. Uh, just haven't gotten around to it. But based on your rec- recommendation, I will definitely go check that record out because I love Pink. Mark Tremonti Christmas record. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll. I, I built a Christmas list last year and I kept it. So I kind of just keep adding and pulling things out of there. So maybe there's some Mark Tremonti classics uh, that I can throw in there. Maybe I like the way that he shreds Let It snow i don't know (laughs) so uh night ranger 40 years and a night with contemporary youth orchestra i did check this out when it came out i do have this record uh i actually like the new spin on some of the stuff i'm not saying it's necessarily better the rockers and stuff like rocking america and things like that it's just different uh so it just gives a different spin to stuff that you've heard a million times over if you're a night ranger fan uh, so yeah, uh, it's, it's decent to check out, especially if you're a night ranger fan, the LA, maybe yes, we've championed this band for a long time. We we've had Dallas on the show a couple different times. I like the LA, maybe just FYI, they are now called bourbon sons. So I don't know if they're going to be a Southern rock band now, or whether they're going to be a country band. I really don't know. All I can tell you is that it's damn hard being a rock band in today's makeup. It's hard building a rock band and it's hard keeping a rock band together for any amount of time because it's just tough. Uh, yeah, they lost their singer and I don't, I guess they decided to switch gears or maybe they're 
influences change. Maybe they changed. Who knows? I really, I haven't had a conversation with uh, Dallas, but I am still in contact with him. And maybe we'll have him on the show to tell the full story at some point in time. But uh, yeah, they put this, they went ahead and released the songs that they had recorded because last time we talked to Dallas, if you remember, he said, uh, rather than releasing a full album, they were going to just try to release a song at a time for because that seems to be what people are doing these days instead of releasing the album. Uh, so I guess this is everything that they had recorded as L.A. Maybe. I love Down to Fight. I think that's a killer tune. Like I was really excited after that song came out because I was looking forward to hearing more like that from them and uh they still put out a, a couple of decent tunes but uh to me not like down to fight and i thought their first record was great like i really enjoyed that first record a lot but things change people change influences change who knows i don't know uh what it is to be in a rock band these days so i thought i would share uh my list starting with two non-metal or hard rock records people should hear uh, i'm going to start with a nashville singer songwriter called ariel she came on my list earlier in the year somebody had posted about the record 73 being out and uh, she was really good and i like a lot of these blues uh guitarist uh singer songwriter types uh i like to listen to a lot of that in the earlier part of the day in the morning and stuff like that so i checked out the record 73 she has a very very cool vibe to her that is very like 70s feel even though she's much much younger and i really enjoyed it i mean i don't think uh like her voice isn't like drop dead amazing. I just enjoy the music. I think uh, I think she plays well. She sings well. Yeah, I just I'd enjoy the record 73. So uh, I've continued to listen to that record uh, in full uh, since it came out and uh, thought that it was a decent record. So if you like that singer songwriter Nashville type feel blues guitar player type feel, check her out. And then Marvelous 3, they came back together. I know that there's been a lot of chatter on the Facebook pages and stuff. They came back together. They played five or six uh, shows here in Atlanta and in Chicago as sort of reunion. And then that's it. I don't know if they're ever getting together to play together. Uh, Butch Walker has his own career as a producer that's very successful out of Nashville. Uh, but they put the Marvelous 3 back together and they put out a new record and, you know, one could expect that the new record would be like demos or leftover material or whatever, you know, from when the band was previously together. I don't know. But if it, if it is, they polished it off and it's some good stuff. That Marvelous 3 record, the four, number four, is really, really good. I mean, there's some solid stuff. So if you were a Marvelous 3 fan before, like there's no reason for you not to like this new record. Uh, it really, really good record. I saw the band live. If you're into power pop and just hooky kind of melodies and things like that, Marvelous 3 is a great band to check out if you're not that familiar with them. Going to the live record, I haven't talked about this artist a lot, but I've been a fan for a very long time. And I think her voice, her voice is some of the my favorite 
sounding blues slash rock and roll voices of all time. I really, really love her smoky, sort of gritty delivery. And I'm talking about Sass Jordan. She's from Canada. She's been around for a long time. She put out a live record called Live in New York 94 this year. And it's just, I really, really enjoy her voice. So if you haven't heard of Sass Jordan before, look her up, uh, check out High Road Easy uh, and see what you think. But I just, I enjoy her voice. And then moving on to the EP, I'm going to talk about that band that I talked about a little earlier that opened up for the Struts and we discovered them when they opened up for the Struts. They're called Max Saturn. And they have a very 70s vibe. It is rock and roll, but I would say it's kind of rock infused with like Motown and funk a little bit. And just they're they're killer. Like they're from Detroit. The singer just has this vibe about him live that is very Mick Jagger, very just he knows how to front a band and he knows how to put on a show and he's hard to not watch. Like we found ourselves watching him constantly. He really, really knew how to control the crowd. And I really, really enjoyed his vibe and that band's vibe as a whole. So check out Max Saturn. They put out an EP called Mint Julep. Uh, and it has five songs on it and it's fantastic. Actually, I take it back. Thinks it has four songs on it, but it's really good. Uh, really sort of like seventies rock, Detroit rock slash Motown feel to the record. Uh, just super enjoy that EP quite a bit and enjoy the band live. And, uh, they're doing a tour coming out next year. And I think I'm going to try and find a way to go see them because they are coming to my town. And I believe that Mint Julep, which is one of the songs on the EP is the first single off a record that is coming out in early 2024, a full length record. Uh, so I did read that about them. So the Ariel record, I had not heard it before, so I listened to it the other day. I liked that it was old school blues, very Stevie Ray Vaughan. I didn't love the vocal. She sounded, it was almost too clean. She sounded like she was 12 years old, right? So it needed a rasp or something. Like the vocal needed a little grit to it. So it was, the music was great. I didn't enjoy the vocal. Marvelous 3, that that album actually made my top 20. My favorite songs off that is My Old School Metal Heart, Jackie and Tina and She Sheila. That was a really good album I've listened to quite a bit this year. 
Sass Jordan. I don't know a damn thing about Sass Jordan. So I go to the live album, listen to two or three songs, and I'm like, God damn, she's 60? For 60, she sounds absolutely amazing. And then I'm like, oh, if Ariel had this voice, her music would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because Sass does have that rasp. But then she doesn't have that blues feel that Ariel has because it's like this modern blues, right? So uh, the two of them put together would be amazing. And then Max Hatteron, I did like the Mr. Cadillac song that first time I heard it. I listened to the EP the other day. I liked Mint Julep. I didn't like the other two songs. I thought they were okay. To me, they're very Maroon 5, just heavier, and I love Maroon 5. So Mr. Cadillac and Mint Julep, I really liked those two songs. All right. So we wanted to give a few albums uh, some love that did not make uh, our top 10 and we got five albums each that we want to share and i'll share my five real quick that had a shot uh first one i'll share and i'll kind of go uh bottom to top because there was the one that just missed my top 10 i'll talk about that one last an album called inhale exhale by a band called those damn crows um and if you've never heard of this uh, uh band those damn crows try a song called takedown off this album Every once in a while, somebody will reach out to me and say, hey, try this. And I'm like, you, I'll give it a try. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. And Colin Francis reached out to me on Messenger and gave me like three or four bands to try. A couple I'd already tried, but those damn crows I never even heard of and uh, instantly liked it. So thanks, Colin, for uh, the recommendation. My next one is Nitrate Feel the Heat. And uh, if you want to give it a shot, uh, just to give the title track a shot. It's probably the best song on the album. The album art the feel where they're from i just saw another heat coming down my way the songs weren't all as super catchy as heat is but uh, the album was really good kent hilly who uh, i don't really know who kent hilly is i don't know a lot about him he released an album called nothing left to lose and uh, the song he wanted to try is too young uh, really survivor journey type of feel it's still rock but it's a little more singer songwriter side of rock than probably heavy rock so a pretty good album. And then just to prove that I'm not a super homer, the two that missed my top 10, Revolution Saints, Eagle Flight, which should have made it. I love the title track of, this, of the album. It's just there was a lot of slow songs on there, but damn, does Dean sound good. And then the Eclipse album, Megalomanium, didn't make my top 10. I liked the album, got it. I thought it was the best song on there. But again, there was some slower stuff on the album. I'm like, these other albums are just better. And so, you know, I can be a homer at times, but I wanted to give like Aaron Jones album is better than Eclipse's album. I'm sorry. Right. To me, it was. So, yeah, Eclipse, Kent Hilly, Revolution Saints, Nitrate and Those Damn Crows. If you want to give those guys a shot, those are some songs to try. What do you think about those five albums? All right. So let's start with Kent Hilly. Kent Hilly is the singer from Perfect Plan. Right. He's also the lead singer in Giant now. He's fantastic. I mean, he's great. He's put out a couple solo records as of recently. He's just a killer singer. I mean, <laughs> I don't have anything to, to say bad about Kent Hilly. He's been on the show before. We've had him on the podcast before. I've had him on the podcast before and did an interview with him. Uh, so that's the story behind him on Eclipse. So I'm guessing that that's going to be probably the biggest surprise for anybody that listens to our podcast that neither one of us had Eclipse in our top 10. And it's not that we don't like Eclipse. I I like Eclipse as well. Uh, For me, this record was just a little bit too much of a turn. I think there's some great stuff on it. 
I like got it. I like where they were going with that. It's a little bit different for them. I like definitely uh, Children of the Night, I think is a great heavy rocker. I don't know. Just overall, as a record, I didn't go back to it. I liked Wired much more than this latest record. And for me, there were just some other things that kind of missed out. Nitrate, I tried. I didn't really like. I thought it was a little bit too poppy for me. I didn't spend a great deal of time with it. I kind of wrote it off fairly quickly. And then what was the last one? Revolution Saints and Those Damn Crows. Revolution Saints was uh, way too slow for me. Like, I, I really liked the first two records, but this record, uh, which I think is the fourth record, it was just too slow for me. And I think Dean, like you, Dean sounds amazing. I mean, he's a great singer. And this was the first record without Jack Blades and Doug Aldridge. They switched him out for Hoekstra and... Um, and Jeff Pilson, that was the other two that switched at places, but it doesn't matter. It's Dean's band anyway. It's his project anyhow. And then Those Damn Crows, I've listened to that a couple of times. I don't think it's bad for whatever reason. doesn't necessarily connect with me, but uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about them. A lot of people like that band and tried to turn me on to that band for sure. Some of my songs or some of my albums that didn't quite make my list. I know a lot of people are probably going to have this band on their list and this record on their list. Maybe not any of our podcast friends, but other people will have this this album and this band on the list. And I think it's warranted. And I'll talk about the Rolling Stones Hackney Diamonds. If you're a Stones fan... That new record is really, really strong, really solid. Uh, so there's no reason to hate on that record. I don't know if it's come out yet or not, but at the time of this, uh, but I did a, a Friday quick fix on this record. I just think it's a really, really solid rock record by the Rolling Stones. And at this point in their career and when they don't even need to put out new records, uh, that to me is just amazing. I discovered a new band at the end of this year called Ace Monroe. They popped up in my my Try This list a couple of times. I don't know a whole lot about them other than their Nashville band. And their record came out this year, which is a self-titled record. And it's really strong. If you liked the Casanovas, you might like this one. Uh, it's just a pretty straight-ahead rock record. Uh, try songs like Lightning, Summer Heat, Don't Mind. Just a really decent record from start to finish. And that band is called Ace Monroe, and it's a self-titled record. Also, a band called Stargazer. Stargazer was in my list of records for a long time. And I think the front half of the record is really solid, uh, but it sort of trails off for me a little bit at the end. I think this is their second or third album that they put out this year. They're a decent band. And then a great summer record is John Diva and the Rockets of Love. That record is just has summer written all over it. I think that's a good record to check out. And then uh, a new band that popped up in my queue that I don't know a whole lot about, but others do, is a band called Screaming Eagles. And they put out a record called High Class Rock and Roll this year, or 2023 rather. And uh, that band is worth checking out. Songs like Thunder and Lightning, 45, and Rebel, all decent songs. Uh, so check out the Screaming Eagles high class rock and roll. So that's a handful of records from uh, my list that were uh, on the cusp of being in my top 20 records just didn't necessarily make my list. 
the Ace Monroe, the Stargazer, the John Diva, and the Screaming Eagles, I listened to them all. None of them made my could have been in the top 30, 35 list. None of them made it, but uh, none of them were brutal either. The Rolling Stones are just like Zeppelin and Aerosmith and the Beatles and Black Sabbath. Meh. <laughs> I could have put Foo Fighters on that list, but they're May minus. We really got to get this line of merchandising going. There's got to be shirts made that are brutal and meh. <laughs> we could, I think you and I are missing out on a fortune. All right, so let's connect it to Kiss. Hey, Hollywood, you know what time it is. Let's connect it to Kiss. You wanted the best, and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss! For the Kiss Connection, we're going to go with a 2023 off-the-soundboard release that came out in April. So the release was recorded on November 28th, 1984 in Poughkeepsie, New York, which in Kiss circles is a super important date. So the story goes, early 1984, Kiss decides Vinny's got to go. They bring in a guitarist named Mark St. John. They record Animalize. History really shows that Gene was never fond of Mark's playing. He called it Bumblebee, Soulless. I'm not sure it was Gene's call anyway. It was 1984, and Paul was already running the band. Kiss releases Animal Eyes. They go into rehearsals for the tour that's supposed to start in Europe, and Mark comes down with reader syndrome and can't play. So Kiss brings in Bruce Kulick to rehearse and play the 2530 European dates they got, because this is mid-80s, and they're not huge right now. They can't afford to be canceling dates. So they go do the 2530 uh, European dates they got with Bruce. Come back to the States. They got two weeks off. They have some meetings with Mark and decide, you know what? Once you join the U.S. tour, you'll travel with us. Bruce will play every night, but we're hoping that you'll get better soon and you'll, you'll be able to join us on stage at some point. Ten dates into the U.S. leg, Mark plays the back two-thirds of the Baltimore, Maryland show. So Bruce played the first third, and then Mark comes on, plays the back two-thirds of it, and everything seems good to go. Mark's first full show on stage with Kiss was the soundboard that got released this year. So here is Paul, Gene, Eric Carr, and Mark St. John live in Poughkeepsie, New York on November 28, 1984 with Creatures of the Night. Play particular attention to the guitar solo. It may be the first time you've ever heard Mark St. John playing live with Kiss. And by the way, 10 days later, Mark was fired. Enjoy. Here's a little song dedicated to all the people that come out at night. This one's called Creatures of the Night!
Hey, was he mentioned at the final show? <laughs> no, he was not. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh. Brink comes all the way back, plays one full show, and 10 days later, he's like, eh, eh, you, can, you can just go permanently. You, you can go You away. were who we thought you were. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, that guy's had a, an unfortunate life, I guess. He definitely lived a strange life. But yeah, you know, I love this song. I do. I, I've always loved Creatures of the Night. Uh, I think it's a fantastic tune. And these soundboard things, man, I'm just not a live album person. You know, I do think it's kind of cool that they're putting these out, though. I don't hate on them for that. But yeah, this version is okay. I, I like the version on three, I think, better. Yeah, I don't go to the live albums much. The three live albums that I find myself continuously going to is MTV Unplugged with Kiss, Worldwide Live Scorpions, Live After Death Maiden. That's about it. I don't really listen to any other live albums, although I got tons. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I love all those records, but I don't listen to a whole lot of live stuff at all. Uh, one thing that I did not too long ago, I don't have it anymore, is I created a playlist and just started taking live tracks from different live albums that I really enjoy and putting it on the live on the uh, playlist uh, just so I could get a sampling of all that stuff. You know, the weird thing is, is I used to enjoy live records so much more when I was younger. I don't know why that's kind of tailed off for me as I've gotten older and just, you know, sort of gravitate towards studio versions. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where when you're younger, you haven't seen any of these bands live, really. So you're trying to get an idea of who they are, what are they, blah, blah, blah. Now with YouTube and all that shit, and we get to see anybody live we want to see live, you don't really need the live albums anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's true uh, for sure. And, you know, I don't know, just... Unless it's something where the the band sound has drastically changed from live to studio, and I think it's probably was that was much more prevalent in the early years in the seventies and early eighties than it is now. But you had bands like Kiss and Cheap Trick that just, I mean, they just sounded better live than they did on on album at the time. And I don't think probably that's not as as relevant as it was back then with uh, recording techniques and such. And we know some of this live stuff only ended up happening to get out of a contract because they owed an album. Some of it's a money grab. Like none of these soundboards. Paul doesn't sound great really in any of the soundboards. So it's like, is this just a money grab? Like remember the cover data released live in Donington with Vi on guitar from like 90 or whatever. It's the yeah. cover data sound like complete shit. I'm like, why are you releasing this? Like at least fix the vocal or something. That's kind of funny in itself because – you know, so many live albums got exposed for, oh, man, they're they're not completely live. Like, they fixed a lot of shit in the studio and stuff like that. People bitched about that. And then now, like, nowadays when they're releasing, because I do believe, like, the soundboard and uh, the Coverdale, the White Snake thing that you just mentioned, those are pretty much, you know, raw and live. And people are bitching now. Oh, so, you know, it sounds like shit. So these poor artists, they can't win for losing, you know? Yeah, you remember the story about, uh, what was it, live right here, right now? Eddie didn't like that he was out of pitch in a couple of places, so he went back and fixed a bunch of his guitar work. And then they call Sammy and say, you're out of, out of keys. Like, what the hell are you talking about? He comes in, he goes, you guys changed your guitar tracks to the pitch. Of course I'm out of pitch and key now. So he had to redo all his vocals. 
Yeah, he did not like that, boy. He talked about that in his book excessively. He was unhappy about that one. Right, because it wasn't his fault. He's like, you made your problem my problem somehow. How the hell that happened? Yeah, I think that was one of the big rifts at the beginning of that first breakup. And then and then you got people where they, you know, Van Halen puts out uh, the first live record ever with with DLR and people wish that he would go back and fix his vocals <laughs> <laughs> on, on that live Tokyo Dome record. Well, Nicole and I, you know, we had gotten the pay preview for the final Kiss show. Nicole hasn't seen Kiss since they toured the Buck Cherry in, what was that, 2010, 20, 2009, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's the only other time she's ever seen Kiss. So we're watching this pay-per-view, and she's like, does Paul sound good to you? I go, no. Because why does he sound so bad? I'm like, baby, 72. Like, it just, well, why is he screaming when he's talking? I'm like, because he's an idiot. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. She goes, doesn't he realize that this could be broadcast to millions of people? I'm like, babe, I guarantee you, he realized it's going to a million people because he's raking in the cash. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't care. It's, man. it's the last show. What does he care? <laughs> that, it's the right. last show. Give me as much money. Big deal. What are you going to do? You know, yeah. I'm not, don't worry about it. I'm not going to be out there anymore, you know, or I'm going to be doing I'm not, my avatar is going to sound great. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting. I'm glad that I got tickets uh, early on in the tour for that Sammy Hagar tour because uh, did I understand Sammy saying he's 76? Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Holy cow. I mean, so, I, you know, he said himself, you know, we're going to see we're only doing 30 dates at the beginning of this tour. We're going to see how that goes. I'm glad that one of my cities is is early on in the tour because I don't know if he'll make it through the 30 dates and I don't know if he'll make it through any more after that. Uh, and I think that he does still sound good, but that's just got to take a toll on your body. I can't imagine that. Listen to me this entire podcast. I'm young, but I'm not feeling 100% today, which is why you get the sultry voice from Stephen Michael. It's <laughs> best of. <laughs> so it is what it is. I can't well, imagine being a singer living on the road trying to do stuff like that. Are you kidding me? Well, I saw them on Howard Stern. There was a little video going around. They did. I think they did run around maybe on Howard Stern. And uh, Michael sounded great, of course. But Sammy, those songs are not easy, right? And he was doing okay. <laughs> Satriani, note for note, nailed the Eddie shit. And when you're watching his hands, because if you remember when Eddie would play live, because the guitar is so small, you wouldn't really see his hands move a lot, right? He was His fingers were going like crazy, and he knew how to play what he needed to play. Well, Satriani is trying to play all that on his normal guitar. His hands are all over the place, and he's trying to do all the parts that Eddie probably overdubbed and overlaid or whatever he was doing. Satriani fucking nailed it. The amount he would have had to practice to get that right must be amazing. So why did people, because I haven't watched any of that footage, uh, the Stern show, but people were in, in up in arms saying how bad he fucked it up and how all his playing was, was awful in terms of copping the Eddie shit. I mean, that's all I read about. Again, I haven't watched any of it. And then I know that uh, the band was on Eddie Trunk and basically yeah. saying, you know, we didn't get to rehearse. We didn't do any of it. It was 7 a.m. in the morning yeah. and just, you know, basically saying all this stuff. Uh, so you're saying he did nail it note for note. Uh, I thought Runaround came great. That's all I heard. And I'm like, God damn, Joe, what in the hell? 
I thought it sounded great. And I've heard run around a thousand times. I would have go, dude, what the fuck are you doing? So maybe all the um, criticism was coming from, I, I heard Mean Street come up a lot. Oh, so maybe yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. it was it was that and not uh, some of the Hagar, uh, Van Hagar stuff. Yeah, Mean Street, I wouldn't have noticed anyway, because I don't know those songs as well as I know the Van Hagar stuff anyway. Interesting. All right. Well, let's put a capper on this uh, 2023 best of because I want to go listen to all our other podcast brothers and sisters out there and find out what their best of is. Uh, And this is another one in the books for us. Do you have anything you want to add before we get up on out of here for 2023 and get on with our uh, 2024 season? Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the feedback. Thank you for those who reach out and say, hey, Try this, try that. I apologize. I don't love everything, but I do give everything a chance. Like we've said before, like I'm going to two or three places to try to figure out what albums are getting released. I didn't even know who those damn crows were. Like, so they're missing people. I'm looking for new music and I'm missing on stuff that's getting released because it's just, there's no one place to go find it anymore. That's just not happening. And, uh, you know, even the BMGs of the world that used to have everything at some point or Universal, they used to have everything at some point. There's so much self-release stuff going on that you wouldn't even know it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm with you. I appreciate it when I see a post or somebody text me something or you send me a, a text or somebody else in our group send me a text. You know, I try to give everything a listen and Again, it either it either sits with me or it doesn't or it takes a few times, but uh, it's just about personal preference. So, no, we're not mad just because uh, we didn't necessarily love elegant weapons or <laughs> whatever came out this year that people did love. If you loved it, fantastic. Let us know you, what your top 10 were for this year, and uh, maybe there'll be something on that list that I missed completely. I'm sure there will be, most likely. Or it was something that just didn't connect. But it's always fun doing these. It's always fun listening to the other podcasts that do these. And until next week, see ya. Later. That's the show. So let's shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. Until next week, always remember, peace, love, and rock and roll.
You can help out the podcast greatly by leaving us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Spotify. The links are in the show notes, or just drop us a line at our email, growinguprock at gmail.com. Growing Up Rock is a proud member of the Pantheon Network. Pantheon is the place for music lovers. Check us out along with many other great music podcasts on the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.